Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Monday, November the 15th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to discuss an outstanding 11-game NBA DFS slate, and all 11 games are on the main slate for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo. So we will be breaking down all 11 games and getting you ready for this outstanding card tonight. Uh, what I wanted to do, though, is announce a couple of things. One, we're going to have a contest. This is the first time it's being announced. If you are watching uh, this YouTube feed here and watching the podcast today, all you have to do is hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, and then any comment at all regarding our podcast. If you enjoy it, you listen every day, uh, any suggestions, anything you want to put in there, uh, that's all you have to do to qualify. And what we're going to do at the end of the day, our man Joe Stanton's going to throw all of those names into a uh, randomizer, whether it be members or listeners that are non-members. Everybody qualifies for a one-week free all-access uh, membership to Coach Talk, and uh, that will be drawn at the end of the day. So, again, all you have to do to uh, get in that contest is subscribe hit the thumbs up button and make a comment on today's show. Reason I wanted to push this out there today to, to get some feedback and, and uh, you know, just hear what our listeners and members are feeling is we feel we fine tuned our NBA podcast product really to where we want it to be. We think we're, we're right in the niche that we want to be. We're, uh, what we've tried to do is put together podcasts that create a, a good analytics standpoint from looking at the statistics and numbers, and then mixing it in evenly with, uh, you know, watching these games, seeing coaches' tendencies, players' body language, all the pieces that uh, are the game behind the game that we like to really stress here at Coach Talk. We feel like like the, the normal uh, DFS player in, in NBA, you know, this is the same, uh, is not mass entering uh, big, big money in 150 contest uh, GPPs, but they're hand building a couple of lineups or, you know, listening to a, a really good provider and putting together something to enter two lineups. So we're here to help you build those lineups and uh, figure out exactly what the, your best uh, chance is going into some of these uh, contests. So uh, we'd love it if you give us some feedback. I'm going to go through all 11 games here. Excited to do that. Not going to be taking any breaks to promo anything. So if you want to join us, go to DFSCoachTalk.com. If you want to enter that contest today for the free week uh, pass, please do that. All right. No further ado, we've got a lot of work to do today and very excited to dive into it. And this is the process you'll see today is the process that now we fine-tune and follow every day. So that's what we're asking your feedback on if going over everything that we're doing in these pods uh, really helps you get to, to where you need to be. All right, here we go. We're excited. It is uh, game number one, again, of the 11 games on this wonderful Monday slate. It's also interesting, too, because we have seven teams on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. That's right, seven. That's the most that I can remember this year. So that's going to come into play in a lot of these games. So we'll discuss it as we go through. First game, of course, 7 Eastern, Boston Celtics, Cleveland Cavaliers. Boston is favored by two and a half. It's a 199.5 over under. So we've dipped below that 200 number, which is not really exciting for DFS players. 101 implied for Boston, 98.5 for Cleveland. As far as the records going into this game, Boston is six and seven. Cleveland is an incredible nine and five. So good for them playing uh, way better than anybody anticipated. Injuries, we've got question marks on Al Horford and Josh Richardson. So it'd be nice to know both of those because they're rotational players. We know Brown is out and Thomas is out. For Cleveland, we have Stevenson, uh, who is uh, probable. We know that Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, and Colin Sexton, three rotational players all out, remain out for Cleveland, which makes their winning uh, record even more uh, impressive. 
Um, all right, from a, a statistical look, uh, pace of play, Boston 21st, Cleveland 20th, so not, nothing to write home about there. Uh, that's part of why Vegas has such a low number. Offensive efficiency also uh, adds to that low number, 23rd for Boston, 22nd for Cleveland, uh, not great there. And then defensively, both teams have stepped it up. Boston's 11th, Cleveland is 6th. How about that? Cleveland Cavaliers are 6th defensive efficient uh, strength team in the entire NBA. So all of that says, you know, stay very light on this game. And I believe that that's probably the best way to go. Talk about a few guys, though. Dennis Schroeder's been hot. He's 6.5, so he's still a playable commodity. Uh, Marcus Smart at 5.4, again, cheap. Don't think this is the right game uh, construction here and, and set up for a, a 9.8 Jason Tatum. Robert Williams, 6.4, smashed. He does great when Horford doesn't play. He grabs all the rest of those rebounds and really mans the middle. So if Horford sits, I do think Robert Williams at 6.4 is in play again. Um, other than that, let's jump to the Cleveland side. We know Darius Garland at 6'8 can do a good job, but he'll probably get Marcus Smart defense, which will eliminate that shot for me. Uh, the two bigs, Mobley at 7'2 and Jared Allen at 7'5, they're both playable. Um, if Horford plays, he's a good, still a good defender, even at his ripe age here, but if he plays, it's it's really going to eliminate me wanting to play either one of those guys. But if he doesn't, they are a little short at the at the big. So uh, in Boston, I'm talking about. So Mobley or Allen, not both. If Horford's out, would be a decent play at seven two or seven five. All right, we are, let's go to game two, seven o'clock Eastern. It is the Sacramento Kings at the Detroit Pistons. Um, Sacramento favored by five on the road. How about that? And it's a 215 uh, total. 110 implied for Sacramento, 105 uh, for Detroit. Sacramento comes in five and eight. Detroit is three and nine. And as far as injuries, Woodard is a game time decision for Sacramento. Uh, Kelly Olinick will be out uh, for quite some time with a knee injury. Uh, so statistically speaking, we've got Sacramento, the fastest team in the league, and uh, Detroit, the ninth fastest team. So this is a pretty low uh, total at 215 when you have two of the top 10 pace teams in the league. Some of the problem comes in is efficiency. Uh, Sacramento, middle of the pack, 13th. Detroit, dead last, which, again, we've talked about this on several podcasts. The younger teams just haven't quite figured out the speed to, to be efficient enough and, and make the right plays. And Detroit's certainly one of the younger teams as well. So that hurts a bit. But defensively, you have two poor teams here, 23rd for Sacramento and 22nd for Detroit. So I think this is a sneaky game. I really do. I think the total is a little too low. And I think that we can find some DFS gems here. De'Aaron Fox has not played well. He's not shooting the ball well from the outside whatsoever. But at 8-2, it makes you think, is this the game he could go with the 50-burger plus? But it is a risk, and he is high-priced. Uh, Harrison Barnes, that 7-3, is always pretty safe in that mid-level pricing. I think you could consider him. Rashawn Holmes at 6-8 as a possibility. Uh, it's they haven't played really well defensively in inside the paint. So this could be one of those homes games where he plays well and uh, smacks his number. Buddy Hild and Davion Mitchell both are getting decent minutes. But when, when those two Fox and Hal Burton are all playing, which they are here, uh, there, there becomes almost a bit of a timeshare uh, that is a concern because Hild's up to 6-1. Mitchell's still at 4-4, but there are games that he doesn't get big minutes. So uh, really looking more at either rolling the dice on a low-owned uh, De'Aaron Fox, hoping he hits some jumpers, uh, Harrison Barnes would be the safer play, or Rashawn Holmes, I think, are, are both possibilities. For Detroit, it's interesting. Killian Hayes has seemed to step up a bit, but they're playing a lot of guys in their backcourt. I mean, they're obviously not – going to win many games this year. Um, 
and you know we, we can't expect much from from this team whatsoever. You know, the Sacramento at five and eight, and Detroit at three and nine, just is not uh, you know teams going in the right direction. But you know they're using Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson, you know Cade Cunningham, obviously. Cunningham has not been what we thought he would be initially. I mean, it's a big adjustment from college to pros. Not too many guys can just crush it like that. So he is 5'5", five, five, which is fair. Killian Hayes, 4'5". Sadiq Bey has been super inconsistent at 6'4". Jeremy Grant certainly not having the season he had last year at 7'2". So I get it. You know, the number's there because there's just a lot of average play guys not getting it done but if you can take the correct one off from each side here i think you can still unfortunately consider cunningham at that low price or even a jeremy grant uh you know as, as somebody that could have a, a breakout game so i do want exposure here i want to make sure there's no other news make sure we double check these starting lineups uh, but i think that game can be sneaky uh, for a lot of us Game three, New Orleans Pelicans, Washington Wizards. Washington minus five, another low total as the trend is this year at 208. Implied for Pelicans, 101.5. For the Wizards, 106.5. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, for the Pelicans, they're 2-12. and 12. Washington, incredible, 9-3. and three. <clears throat> Their best start to a season in in 25 years, 28 years, something like that. So they are really out of the gate. Zion remains out. Well, for Washington, Beal remains out. Bertans, Bryant, and Hashimura still are not playing. So somehow Washington is 9-3, and three and they have not had uh, Bryant or Hashimura all year yet. So they're, you know, things are looking up on that side for sure. Um, playable guys here. Let's take a look here. Pace of play, 11th and 12th, so both slightly above uh, normal. Offensive efficiency, the Pelicans at 25 and Washington at 15, so nothing to write home about. The Pelicans do have the worst defense in the league. That, you know, says a lot. Uh, and Washington, incredible fourth in defense in the league. So, you know, the question here is, do we go to the chalk, the two chalk plays? They they came through for us uh, yesterday, uh, or two days ago, I should say. And, you know, will they come back? Spencer Dinwiddie at 7-2 and Kyle Kuzma at 6-7. That's where the majority of that usage from Beal goes to. And the third guy is Montrez Harrell. He's 6-5. All three of those guys are extremely playable a lot of the lineups I'm getting to has two of those three guys in it. So this could be a key game uh, for us uh, here at Coach Talk. Uh, other than those three guys, I'm really not interested in anybody else on the Washington side. As far as the Pelicans go, having to play against a pretty stifling defense by Washington, I never thought I'd say that, but they have played fairly well. But you do have some fair price guys. Brandon Ingram came back the last game. He was on a minutes limit. We'll see if he's going to be no minutes limit. Then you got to consider him, especially to balance out if you're going to be playing two Wizards. He's 8-5, which is a risk considering he's not 100% healthy as far as we know. Uh, the value guys here, Graham at 6-3, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 5-9, and Josh Hart at 5-3. If you don't go up to the Ingram number, I think those three guys also have the potential, if you want to one-off one of them, uh, to step in. But they are using a pretty deep bench now. They've been using Temple a lot at 3-4. He's been getting some ownership. Herb Jones is back. Kyra Lewis, Murphy, Najee Marshall, Jackson Hayes, even Sato. So the Pelicans are a hot mess, and I really don't recommend a lot of uh, – you know, attention on that side of the ball, maybe a one-off uh, at best. All right, we go to the next game, 7.30. So we finally move on to another time frame here, Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks. Here's one of the first teams on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. The Hawks did play uh, yesterday, and we know Trey Young had a monster game. So we'll see how the rotation works, if that uh, second night of a back-to-back -back deters anything 
with Atlanta. Atlanta's a 10.5-point favorite. That's the other issue. Could this game blow out? 102 implied for Orlando and a nice big 112.5 for Atlanta, which is very uh, tempting for sure. Um, Orlando comes in 3-10, and 10, young team just trying to learn the ropes. Atlanta is 5-9. and nine. Injuries for Orlando, Michael Carter-Williams, Etwan Moore, and Jalen Suggs. All three of them are questionable. So we need that news because we haven't seen Williams or Moore. So this is, could affect that rotation and could create, create some, uh, you know, some different uh, plays here. But Fultz and Isaac remain out for them. And then we've got two guys that are doubtful for Atlanta. That's Hunter and Okongwu. So as far as that goes, statistically speaking, We've got the Orlando Magic fourth in pace, Atlanta only 28th. So, you know, they've really slowed down. Uh, you know, their record isn't that great, but maybe that's the, the type of play that Coach McMillan wants to, to get them to adjust to. They were a lot faster last year uh, when they made the Eastern Conference Finals. So not sure with pretty much the same personnel why they're changing uh, their style of play so much. But um as far as offensive efficiency, again, 27th and 10th for these teams. And then defense, this is where this game becomes interesting. Orlando's 26th and Atlanta's 28th. So you've got two of the you know bottom five teams in the league uh, in defensive efficiency. So that does bring some guys into play. First of all, for Orlando, I've you know, Cole Anthony has been so good for me this year. He's been my favorite player to roster because he's never quite got to the price that he really has played to. He is up to 7-4 now, which is a far cry from where he started uh, at the beginning of the season just, you know, three weeks ago. But um, at 7-4 with a possibility of some of these guys coming back for Orlando, I need to see that news before I would commit to him. Uh, Suggs, Wagner, like I said, the guys coming back, MCW. Then you got Terrence Ross, Chumo Kiki's getting more minutes. Hampton's decent. It creates a really tough uh, situation. Really, if you want to go anywhere with Orlando right now, uh, the, the two best places are two guys priced the same, 6.9 for Carter Jr. and 6.9 for Bomba. You do have Capella defense with John Collins on the other side. So it's not the perfect setup, but I, I do like uh, Carter Jr. a little bit more than Bamba in this matchup. He's got, I think, more of a ceiling, um, but not racing to get to either one of those guys. On the Atlanta side, does the game stay close enough? Can Trey get the big enough minutes to smash again like he did yesterday at 9.5? That is a big price, um, you know, because of the game situation here, not exactly racing to him either. Uh, we do know that Hunter's still out. That elevates uh, Herter at 3.8 to a decent play. Bogdanovich, who hasn't played well, is 5-1. You can think about him. If you want to go super cheap in a GPP kind of play, maybe Reddish at 3-5. But uh, really, it's, it's also the bigs on the other side of the ball here on both sides of the ball. Collins is 7-1, and Clint Capella is 7. So basically, the two big guys for both teams are all the same price, and I think they're all worth considering. Um, I think that uh, there are, is some upside, and I would like to one-off uh, probably one of these guys here. You hate to pass this game up with two defenses that are so poor, so I would like to have uh, a little bit of coverage here but not go crazy. All right, next game. 7.30 also, Eastern Indiana Pacers, New York Knicks. It is the Knicks by 4, 213 on the total, 104.5 implied for Indiana, 108.5 for the New York Knickerbockers. Indiana comes in at 6-8, the Knicks are 7-6. and six. For injuries, you've got a questionable Duarte who uh, banged knees the other day, so uh, very well could sit. And then... Uh, Jackson and Warren remain out for Indiana. The only person on the injury report for the Knicks right now is Nerland's Noel, who is questionable, but they do have Mitch Robb and um, Taj Gibson ready to roll. All right, so 
as far as statistically <clears throat> interesting here, we've got pace of play, Indiana 10, the Knicks 15. Uh, two teams playing well efficiently, offensively at least. They're 11th and 6th. And then here's a surprise. Two teams that came into the season expected to be two of the top 10 teams in the league defensively. They're sitting at 21st and 24th. So a tight spread, minus four for the Knicks. Uh, this certainly is a good game uh, type situation to uh, roster some guys. So let's take a look at Malcolm Brogdon first. I do like him a lot today. He's 8-2, which is expensive. I think he's going to be fairly low owned because he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. But that Walker Fournier Rose backcourt is just awful defensively. And that's really hurt the Knicks. And I like to attack it. Uh, Brogdon or Lavert. Uh, six seven for Levert is very very enticing to me. He's one of my favorites, and I'm not adverse to going with Brogdon and Levert in this game. So I think that could be a sneaky attack. Uh, not as crazy about the bigs. Sabonis at eight eight is really slowed down. He's not having those insane seventy game point uh, fantasy games as he did before. His role is 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 strong, but. Uh, just the way Carlisle rotates guys, I think he's just not quite as efficient as he was last season in DFS. And Miles Turner's a, a somewhat of a boomer bust guy. He's been much better lately. Six seven is a, is a good price for him, um, <clears throat> considering what he's been putting uh, out there on the floor from a DFS standpoint. But you always run across the the, the fear of him laying an aid, which he can do as well. Mitch Robb and Taj Gibson are no chump defenders in uh, in the post either. So uh, really leaning towards the Pacers, guards, and Brogdon and Lavert, <clears throat> and then not really looking at that bench. The Knicks side, you know, you've got cheap Kemba Walker and Fournier at 5-4 and 4-6. Just not comfortable going there. R.J. Barrett's been super inconsistent. In fact, at times he just doesn't look good, so... Not, no interest there at 5-9. You know, Randall certainly, you know, is a playable commodity. He's 9-7. You know, everything in their offense completely revolves around him. Um, he is a potential pay-up guy uh, that you can look at here. And really, that's it for me uh, on this game. All right, we have an 8 o'clock game, the Miami Heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City on the second night of a back-to-back. Don't know if that matters that much since they play a pretty deep bench and they're all about 18 or 19 years old for crying out loud. So they shouldn't get tired playing 10 days in a row. Uh, but uh, the Heat, uh, on the other hand, this this will be an interesting matchup. Miami's favored by nine on the road. It's a 210 total, 109.5 for Miami and 100.5 for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the Miami Heat come into this game um, at eight and five. The Thunder, a, a five and seven record, which is way better than most of us anticipated. I thought they'd have the worst record in the league. The big news here that we have to know by far is, is Jimmy Butler going to play? Because that changes everything. He's uh, questionable. So we'll be following that news in our Discord and on Twitter throughout the day. Bam Adebayo is probable. And then uh, Morris and Oladipo are out. And Oklahoma City and their teenage team, zero injuries, which should be the case. Um, let's take a look at some st stats here. Pace, Miami 16th, a little bit faster than they normally play. Uh, Lowry's helped push that a little bit. OKC 26. So they're playing slow for a young group of guys. They're trying to, uh, you know, concentrate on playing some good half-court defense with guys like Dort and Baisley. Uh, so appreciate that uh, effort there. Now you've got a veteran team in Miami, of course, fourth in the league in offensive efficiency. And just like all the rest of the young teams, the Thunder are 28th. As far as defensive uh, efficiency, Miami seventh. They're always in the top 10, especially with this group. Once they get them all healthy on a consistent basis, should be a top five defensive team by the end of the season or midseason. Thunder are 14th. So the fact that they're one notch above mid-level defense in the league says a lot. And that 
again, some of those key defensive players uh, that they're building around uh, have definitely helped in that area. As far as plays go here, you know, you've got Lowry at a fair price at 7-6, especially if Butler sits. Butler at 9K is playable. If he plays, he usually plays. So that's the big question. When I say plays, means he doesn't restrict himself. So he's either in or out. He either can go with him or he's going to sit. That's one thing I do like about Butler is uh, you're generally going to get all of them once he, if he does play. Um, after that, Bam at 8-1 is, is a great play here. I don't think uh, they have a matchup if they try Baisley on them or Jeremiah Robinson Earl, J-R-E as they call him. You know, Kenrich Williams will probably get a little try on him, but Bam's in a great spot here. I like him the most on this side of the ball. Tyler Hero as well at 6.6. You know, uh, the problem is when Hero comes in, I think they may play Dort on him. So that gives me a little concern unless, you know, because if Hero and Lowry are in together, you may get Dort on Lowry. Uh, and I'm, that's all considering if Butler plays. If Butler uh, plays, you know, uh, then it's going to be Dort on Butler. And if he sits, I think Dort splits on Lowry and Hero is what I'm trying to say. So we need that news. I think if Butler uh, sits, you know, we have to consider uh, Lowry or Hero if he plays, uh, probably just sticking with Bam. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, you've got Shea at 8 6. Uh, we'll see the Lowry, you know, Butler defense is, is decent. I don't know if I want to pay up. I'm a little concerned of a blowout there. Uh, Dort at 5K, he paid his number off uh, yesterday. I don't know if, you know, if he can. Uh, he, he likes to take those threes. He's just not consistent with them. His percentage is not good. Uh, Giddy, again, risky as a rookie at 6'4". That's sort of expensive. Everybody loves to play him because they think he's going to throw a triple-double up there. Don't see that happening against the Heat uh, and their tough D. Same thing with Baisley and the rest of the bench. Just too many ro too much rotation. Uh, second night of a back-to-back. -back. Don't know how much all those guys are going to get action. So really the Heat... Could be key here with a couple players, uh, but let's uh, wait and see with that Butler news. That will really help us figure it out. All right. Next game, we move, uh, we're still at an eight o'clock game. Denver Nuggets, Dallas Mavericks, Dallas minus five, 210 and a half over under, 102.75 implied for Denver, 107.75 uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. Nuggets are nine and four. Mavericks are eight and four. Um, and injuries, you've got Barton, Chanchar, and Rivers are all probable. So the return of Barton. And then Murray and Porter Jr. are out. Kleba remains out for uh, Dallas. Now, it's the second night of a back-to-back -back for Denver. And uh, that's the question. How much are people going to play? What's the situation going to be like, you know, with Dallas on an island game? That certainly gives them an advantage. I'm really, I really like the Joker here. The Joker, you know, we know we've been targeting interior players against Dallas. If the Joker is going to play full minutes, and I think he will. I mean, he had that suspension game. You know, I, I just feel like he's going to come in and play regular rotation minutes. He's 11-7, which hurts. But I think he can dominate this game. I really do. Uh, the Mavericks are trying to, uh, you know, they try to play Powell there. He's not going to be able to stop them. If they go small ball and play Chris Dapps at the five, uh, I think the Joker can eat on him all day long too. So my name may, you know, unfortunately, sorry, Dirk. Man, Dirk gets mad at me every time. But I've got to, uh, I've got to say Joker's my top play, even though it's the second night of a back-to-back. So I'm going to be listening for coach speak, watching all the, the feeds and, and beat writers, because if there's any indication whatsoever that there are any type of minutes limits on any of the rotation, then the Joker, you know, at 11-7, you can't play him. But if it's just open, they, need, they want to go out there and win this game, I think they're going to need the Joker to play the majority uh, of the game. So he's my top play. I really don't want to mess uh, with uh, any of the other guys on the Denver side, but let's take a look at a couple of things. Pace of play, Denver 30th. So that is a big pace down for Dallas. 
Dallas is 13th. So, you know, that makes you not you know want to jump on Luke at 11-3 with, with such a slow pace. Offensive efficiency has been poor for these two teams, though, considering what they were expected to do. They're 20th and 19th. I really it's that's a concern. You know, I Denver hasn't been healthy or right uh completely this season. Dallas's record is really better than what they've played. So a little concerned there. Uh, defensively, Denver's third, another, you know, thing against Dallas. Dallas is only 17. So a couple of things. Barton sat yesterday in being prepared for this game. So he's the guy that probably will get increased minutes, if anybody. So at 6'8", I like Barton. At 11'7", I like the Joker. On the Dallas side, probably not going to go anywhere in this game. Aaron Gordon is an outstanding defender, and he can guard anybody literally from the one to the five. I think he'll guard Porzingis and slow him down. A lot of people saw Porzingis' last game or so where he's starting to step up, and he's 7K, which is very fair, but I'm not going there. So uh, not no interest on the Mavs side, sorry to say. This is the third game in a row. I haven't played a Maverick, by the way, and that hurts. But as long as they keep winning – that's okay, and uh, they're not breaking any slates. So I am going to be, where's Joe Stanton when you need him? I'm going to be on your Nuggets, buddy, not on my Mavericks, so you better come through here, rile them up. Omaha Joe's going to, I need you to pull these Nuggets through. All right, we go to the next one. Eight o'clock again, Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis by a big fat 11, Houston stinks, let's face it. 219's the total, which is pretty good. 104 implied for Houston, 115 for the Grizz. As far as uh, records coming in, Houston, a stellar 1 and 12. Memphis, 6 and 7. So they're wanting to step back into the mix. They got Dylan Brooks back the last game. Dude comes in, 24 real points. So that's, that's an impressive uh, step up for Brooks. Uh, for Houston, we know Wall's out. Tilly is out, uh, is questionable for Memphis, not that he's in their rotation or anything. Um, let's look at this game from a statistical standpoint. We've got Houston on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't think that means much. Again, they're one of those teams that are super-duper young. Uh, they do have a few guys that may get some smidgen of rest. Maybe Christian Wood doesn't get quite the run or uh, – Daniel Tice, but I think for the most part, you know, the, a lot of these guys are babies. Porter, Green, Jengun, they're going to get their regular rotation minutes, so not concerned there. Um, you know, what it does as, as far as that goes from pace standpoint, it, it gives you some interest here. You got Houston eighth and Memphis third, so that's why the total's approaching 220. You got two fast teams here, which makes makes you interested. Problem is, offense, offensively, as far as from an efficiency standpoint, they're just not performing to the levels that you would expect at all. Houston is 29th, and like I said, the, the young teams always are down at the bottom, but you've got some accomplished scorers. Porter, Green coming into the league, you know, Christian Wood, et cetera. So uh, even Eric Gordon off the bench, those guys know how to score, but uh, they're not, they have not been efficient thus far. Memphis is only 21st, which is surprising uh, with Ja. I think they missed Joe Val there a little bit more than they had anticipated they'd miss him. As far as defense, Houston's 18th, but Memphis is shockingly 29th. So that, I can't get over that because Memphis's defense last year was a top 10 defense for a lot of the season. But again, uh, the whole reason for that is Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks just came back in that last game. I guarantee you, that 29 ranking will start going up and up and up. You'll see it every game, every day we're talking, you know, we'll, they'll be 27th and 25th. He makes that much of a difference. He's another guy that can guard anybody on the floor. And I think he's he really brings that team together defensively. Um, so as far as this game goes, you know, with the poor exterior defense really by Memphis at this point, you can look at either Porter or Green. Very risky. Uh, six, two, and five are their numbers. You know, Tate at five, three can throw in a, a decent game on at times, but they're rotating quite a bit. 
not interested in Tice. Like I said, Wood's not my favorite play on a back-to-back. So, you know, as bad as the Memphis defense is, if this game blows out, you know, they're going to play a bunch of, you know, House and K.J. Martin and, you know, all these guys, Nawaba, Shengun. So I'm not crazy about Houston. I would consider a Kevin Porter Jr. possibly at 6'2", but not really uh, looking to run uh, to the Rockets. Grizzlies, you know, if you want to play, pay 10K for John Morant, I mean, certainly the defense of Houston in the backcourt's not, nothing to write home about. You know, Kevin Porter was part of that worst backcourt defense in the history of the NBA two years ago, uh, you know, when it was uh, when he was at Cleveland. But uh, the thing is, you know, they do have a few guys off the bench uh, that can come in and, and try to slow him down. But Jaw, certainly not going to tell you not to play him. But at 10K, that's a big number in a game that could blow out, um, even though it's an island game for Memphis. So that's in his favor. Dylan Brooks at 6'5 has already moved up in price. Uh, he'll probably get some Jay Sean Tate defense, although he may play jaw as well. Uh, Bain just seems to be stuck at that 15 to 20 fantasy points a game. Just doesn't get it done enough for me. Jackson, I'm always afraid to file trouble at 6K. Adams, they play off the floor a lot, which they may do again here. So, yeah, you know, this game is conducive to some plays, um, you know, but I just don't see it. I think I'm going to try to avoid it uh, as much as I can, and I think it's going to get a decent amount of play. It just seems to be, you know, with that potential of a blowout, and, and some of the other things that were mentioned, I just don't think it's it's the best place to, to plant your flag on, on this type of a slate. All right, the last 8 o'clock game, and then we have two late games. So we've got another 8 o'clock game, the Phoenix Suns and the Minnesota Timberwolves, Phoenix minus 4. We've got a winner here, 222.5. So yell bingo if you've got the Suns T-Wolves for the highest over under on the slate that minus four makes it nice too. That should stay close. And these implied totals are sweet. 113.25 for Phoenix, 109.25 uh, for Minnesota. Phoenix has turned it up. They are all of a sudden nine and three. I remember talking, you know, what's going on with Phoenix. They're two and three or whatever. I think they've won six or seven in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so they they are really uh, zoned in. Um, Minnesota four and eight. They've lost some tight ones. Big news here that we need more than uh, before we can really logically break this game down is eight in his list is questionable. So if he does play, that blows up all of our wonderful uh, McGee and uh, uh, you know McGee's been a, a key factor in had a blowout game broke the slate yesterday. Um, and so Frank, the tank also in the mix there, uh, but Sarge is out eight and questionable, nobody injured for Minnesota. So yeah, where do we go here? Well, if, uh, if he sits being eight and, and I'll tell you what, it's no coincidence. I mean, and I hate to be boisterous here, but you know, eight in the way he's played, I think is just not, been a help to the Suns this season. I know he had that one crazy game, 21 and 21 or whatever, but for the most part, just the flow, his body language, the way he's played, you know, they were, I think, I believe they were like two and three. I don't think they've lost a game since he's been out. So that tells you a lot. And it also, you know, speaks a lot to McGee and Kaminsky. So <clears throat> I wouldn't touch Aiton with a 10 foot pole when he gets back because of the recent success with McGee and Kaminsky, I think all of those guys are going to get minutes somewhere, which makes them all devoid for DFS, in my opinion. So let's just start and finish there. If Aiton does sit, then you can absolutely look at uh, McGee at 4-2 and Kaminsky at 5-6. Now, it's a back-to-back -back for Phoenix, the second night of a back-to-back, -back, almost, which almost makes you think Aiton may play. And again, those guys are going to all be dead uh, for me if they do. As far as the backcourt, you got Pat Bev that's probably going to guard Paul. 
Um, Booker in play at 8-9, just awfully expensive. But this high of a game, you've got to have some serious coverage. You know, this could be a really good game for Booker. Uh, I definitely am interested there. Mikhail Bridges at 5K is always a playable commodity to me uh, as well. I think value 4-8 for Crowder is not bad. Um, you know, I think all of those guys, Booker, Bridges, Crowder, can be considered, uh, especially, you know, don't want to look at McGee or Frank if Aiton plays. But we need that news. On the, the uh, Minnesota side, um, D'Angelo Russell at 7-1 and Anthony Edwards at 7-9, I think are two key guys. I think one of those two, <clears throat> again, are going to make my lineup. And I'd like to have that Booker against Russell or Edwards duo going here in a high scoring game. Um, we do have, you know, Phoenix at the 19th pace, Minnesota at the second pace. So this game's going to be fast enough. We've got offensive efficiency, Phoenix five, Minnesota 26, though. Even with those offensive players, Russell Edwards and Towns, they're still not putting the pieces completely together. So, um, you know, I do think this game stays close enough, though, to, to create uh, some interest. Phoenix is up to 10th defensively. They've continued to move up on a daily basis. Minnesota's 20th. So not exactly put the pieces together on defense either. Um, Minnesota potential. I don't know about Cat at 10 2 with that rotation of centers, uh, regardless in, uh, with Phoenix. So my, my attention here really is, is on the backcourt of Booker and then Russell and Edwards uh, on the Phoenix, or I'm sorry, the Minnesota side. All right, we have two late night games, the late night after hours, sweat games, the bailout games, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Toronto versus Portland. Uh, 212 and a half over under Portland's only favored by one and a half Toronto's uh, implied is 105.5 Portland is 107. So this, this game has some definite interest and appeal uh, without question. Uh, we've got Toronto coming in at seven and seven and Portland at six and eight, uh, two monstrosity pieces of news here, which makes me not even want to waste time talking about this game Fred Van Vliet, questionable. Damian Lillard, questionable. So, you know, what, what can you say from there? If those guys play, it jumbles everything up. If one plays and one doesn't, it jumbles everything up. So those are the two pieces of news we need to know. We also have a bunch of other guys questionable. Achua, Boucher, uh, also questionable. Uh, Watanabe is out. Uh, Greg Brown, questionable also for Portland. So, again, that's where everything's going to lie is, is who's in, who's out for those main guys. As far as uh, pace goes, doesn't make you want to run to this game. 212 and a half is not bad considering they're 22nd and 27th in pace, respectively. Offensively, though, efficiency-wise, that's probably why the number's there. They're 14th and 8th, so both teams have veterans that know how to score the ball. And then defensive, just middle-of-the-road teams, 15th for Toronto, Portland 19th. So. You know, there is some possibilities here. It, I mean, everything changes. Van Vliet and Lillard both playable if they play, and there's no restrictions. Let's say they both sit. Then you, you bring Gary Trent at 5'8 into play, Scotty Barnes at 6'8, and, and on Ananobi at 7'5. Um, I don't think I want to go up to Siakam at 8'3 quite in this game. But uh, I think, you know, again, it's, it's whether Van Vliet's in or out. Same thing with Portland. If Lillard's out, I think you can look at McCollum. You can look at Powell. I know Simons will again be chalky if he starts for Lillard because uh, he's only 3-5, but certainly not you know a, a guy that, that you want to just 100% lock and load. But if Lillard's out, uh, certainly a guy that can make your salary work. Norman Powell's been solid at 5-4. You can consider him. Uh, but really, it's all the guards that are in play for me. Uh, in this game, other than Ananobi, who I and I would consider in Powell at a small forward. So let's get that news. We'll update you in Discord. We'll talk about that throughout the day. We'll also tweet out some stuff as we see uh, that news come in. All right, last game, game 11. Chicago Bulls, Los Angeles Lakers. L Lake, it's a pick'em game. 
216 and a half on the over under 108 implied for Chicago 108 implied for 108 and a half for the I guess Lakers are favored by a half a point go figure that one how a half a point is going to work but that's how the numbers look at this moment uh, we know that Chicago comes in nine and four Lakers somehow eight and six all the turmoil and talk about how bad they are <clears throat> and everything else eight and six isn't that bad uh, they're still fighting. Guys that are out, Vuk out with the COVID deal, Pat Williams out for the year with the shoulder surgery. Lakers are missing Ariza, Nunn, Reeves, and some guy by the name of LeBron James. So back to this dilemma that we've had all season so far. You know, what do we do with the Lakers team? Is it Westbrook and Davis and, and go from there when, when LeBron's out? That's what we'll have to look at here. Um, as far as Chicago, they're on a second night of a back-to-back -back on the road. A lot of times they'll have teams play back-to-back, -back, but it's at home. So it's really tough when you get a back-to-back -back on the road. So that's going to scramble the deck a little bit for Chicago here uh, and definitely concerns me. Plus, Chicago's playing at the 29th pace in the league. Plus, they're sharing the ball so much with ball uh, Levine, DeRozan, you know, it's, it's interesting here. We're, we're we've got to see, um, how this is going to play out tonight, but a little concerned that they're going to go deeper on their bench. Um, Donovan's pretty, you know, good about not overplaying minutes on his guys. So let's, we'll see how that falls out. Um, again, pace Chicago 29th Lakers sixth. Uh, offensive efficiency ninth for Chicago. They've been scoring the ball. That's why they're winning. The Lakers, even with the, the oldest team in the history of the league, they're only 24th in offensive efficiency. So not quite uh, making a whole lot of sense why they're, they're not uh, any better. Defensively, these teams are decent, though. Eighth for Chicago, 13th for L.A. So, you know, this game is not one I, I believe to stack. If you like having that late night, uh, action and having guys, you know, in your holster. I'm not sure this game's the best to do that in, but uh, let's talk about it for a second here. We've got Lonzo Ball at six five. Uh, Alex Caruso should get a, a nice chunk of run here at four K. Uh, Zach Levine at eight one and DeRozan at eight three are your two best options. You know, again, which guy do you do you want to really focus on? And then you've got. You know, you can go value at center at Tony Bradley at 3-5. He didn't do that much the last time out. But then they're going to play Devontae Green and, and Derek Jones Jr. Desunmu's been fantastic for them at 3K. If he gets enough minutes, he's a playable commodity. Elise Johnson, the same thing. He's 3-4. Alizé, Elise, whatever Alizé I think it is. But, you know, those, it just, I don't know. I don't feel good about it on the second night of a back-to-back with a lot of potential rotate, you know, rotation of guys. The, the guys that will get it done for them, though, are Levine and DeRozan. If you want to choose one of those at that upper mid price of 8-1 or 8-3, I think it's very logical to go that direction. As far as uh, the L.A. side, Russ Westbrook, 10-8. Not exactly the perfect spot to go there. I think you've got Alex Caruso, who's going to be fired up to play against his old team that really didn't offer him diddly. I mean, Caruso will make some of my lineups at 4K, but I think, you know, especially if he starts, he's going to be popular because of the revenge narrative and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't, you want you don't want to go overboard with that. But Russ at 10 8 is too expensive for me. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker's back and he's minimum 3K. So we need to figure out how many minutes he's going to play. He could be the value on the slate if he's going to get enough minutes. Uh, Carmelo Anthony at 5'3", he's going to get extended minutes ex expected. And then Anthony Davis, probably one of the, you know, other great pay-up spots at 10-4. You know, he gets uh, – actually, Bradley's probably better defensively than Vukovic, so I don't know if it's that much of a must-play. But when Bradley comes out, because he's only going to play in spurts, uh, they have to go small. Their bench – their guys off the bench uh, are pretty small. So if, if that rotation comes about and, or if they're, you know, play uh, Bradley off the floor, Davis could absolutely smash here. 
Uh, I think he's he's my number one target in this game. Um, but 10-4 makes it very difficult. But he may be one of my two pay-up guys. I, it'd be nice to have the Joker and Anthony Davis in the lineup. Uh, there's plenty enough value to make it work uh, if you really can uh, look through it. So that is it, my friends. 11 up, 11 down. Again, we have this awesome contest today. All you have to do is uh, hit the thumbs up here, hit the subscribe if you haven't, and then a comment on the podcast here in YouTube. Uh, that qualifies you for the end of the day drawing for a one-week full membership here at DFS Coach Talk. So we nailed them. We got through them. We'd love to have you. Go to DFSCoachTalk.com. You can get as little as a three-day pass for $10 or a five-day pass for $19. Uh, big shout out to my partner, Andrew Hansen here, who uh, stepped up and had a nice football takedown uh, yesterday. So NFL's going very well with uh, Omaha Joe, uh, Crash Davis, and of course, Andrew Hansen. So we'd love to have you jump in with us today to uh, catch the fire there with their Monday night football. So again, thank you for listening in. We'll be looking for those thumbs up, subscribes and comments. And uh, we'll announce that drawing on uh, Twitter. We'll tweet that out. We'll also post it in our members chat uh, in case one of the members wins. Everybody's eligible. Uh, so uh, please enter. So thanks again for listening in. I hope this really helps you take down some major money tonight. We're going after it. I'm in my all black today because I always own up to my lineups. And last night's lineup did not get it done for me. So I'm mad. As you can tell, a lot of preparation already on this slate. Now the five or six hours today of fine-tuning, listening to all the news, and we're going to come out and go after it with a vengeance tonight. So I expect to have the light shirt on with the white hat tomorrow in uh, glory of the wind. So that's the plan. Uh, enjoyed uh, talking with you and spending this time with you, and have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we'll see you again tomorrow when we look to crush it in DFS.